Well, good morning, everyone. Man, oh man, here we go. So good to see you all. Are you clapping for them? Is that... Thank you so much, Pastor Julian, for just leading us in that. Well, everyone, here we go. Happy Mother's Day to all you mamas out there. My mama, happy Mother's Day to my mama. Is she here? She's, Jamie tried to say happy Mother's Day. Oh, she's here. Okay. Still fellowshipping. Happy Mother's Day to my mama and happy Mother's Day to my beautiful wife. I'm so glad that she's not my mama. She's my wife. I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> and all you mamas out there that have had babies that are spiritual mamas, again, we are just so appreciative of, of who you are. Can we just give a quick hand for all the mamas? Mamas, we love you. So thankful for you. I mean, how many of you know that it, you wouldn't necessarily be here if it wasn't for your praying mama or grandmama? Amen. I mean, I am so thankful that I had both praying for me. And I'm sure you could say the same thing. Well, this morning, um, as we were just, you know, as I was praying and getting some things ready, um, I, I don't necessarily have a nice flowery Mother's Day message for you. That's okay. All right. Thank you. A mama said that's okay. So any other mamas be okay with that? I, uh, I'm just really going for what do you want to be said? And I believe that in this, there, there'll be a lot of healing to take place. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it because this is something that the Lord has been dealing with me in my own heart a little bit. And I know that it will affect you because, uh, I mean, that's who the Lord is. And I want to just remind us of a few things that we talked last because I know we probably have some guests here. So if, you have, if this is your first time here or if you were drug here because you had to support a baby up here, welcome. And we hope if you're looking for a church or if you're kind of going, what is this church thing all about? Who is this Jesus? We're here to, to reveal who he is. And as a church, it's, we're not here we, just to say, oh, the church is amazing. Our Jesus is amazing. And he's called us as a family together. And so we just want, really, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. I know there are some of that are in the overflow. Thank you for sitting on those hard chairs, and we're just glad that you're here. Uh, last week, we kind of started a few things that were stirring in our heart because of uh, the couple weekends ago, we had a conference here, and it was our impact conference. And really for us as a church family, uh, the, re the Lord revealed to us that it was a threshold weekend, meaning we were transitioning from one step into another. Really, that's what a threshold is. It's, it's getting you ready or to propel you into the next phase or even from a natural perspective into the next room that you're about to enter. Well, for us as a church family, we crossed that threshold and really all the work that has been going on behind the scenes in regarding to a new building that we're going after, uh, again, we moved there July 4th. So happy Independence Day to you. Uh, we're moving out there, and so we're, we're excited about that. So all that means that we're crossing a threshold. And so a lot of this work has been going on over the last year. And so the Lord has been preparing us and getting us ready for this crossing. And again, what is the purpose behind all of this? And I want to just share with you again why we and why the Lord has called us for such a time as this together as a family, but to impact generations for Jesus. That's not just something, oh yeah, the church that I attend or that I'm, I'm a part of, that's their vision. No, because the Lord called you here, this is who you are. The Lord calls us, he takes us out of the lonely places and he calls us into families. And within each family, there is a vision or a purpose or a call that the Lord has established for you and I. And so for us, the Lord said, you are here to impact generations for Jesus. And how do we do that? Number one, I want to just read this to you. To continue to be a strong word and Holy Spirit church in central Alberta. To be a training and distribution center of leaders in every generation. 
to be a strong influence for God in our city, and to be a distribution center of the word in every form. So that's why we are here. So say, that's why I'm here. This is why we as a family are here, is to bring this to central Alberta and however the Lord sees fit, who we are able to reach in this time. And I think what's just cool, the Lord is not just entrusting to us another building. More importantly, the Lord saw fit to enlarge our influence to reach more people for him. That is the greatest blessing. So I don't know about you, but I go, way to go team. There's some things that you receive because you trust the Lord, but there's other things that you get to partake of because the Lord entrusts you. Now, again, we, again, we talk so much about how faithful our God is, and we'll continue to fa- uh, pray and sing those ways because our God can be faithful. He's known to be a faithful God since Abraham, since Isaac and Jacob, and you go down the list to Joel, to my kids. It, it continues on and on and on. Our God is faithful, but I don't want that faithfulness just to be one way. I want to be faithful to my God as well then the the life that he poured out for me, his blood that he hung on the cross for, he did that on my behalf. So I want to give my life back to him and say, Lord, here's my life. How can I be an influence? How can I be an impactor in this season to show people who you really are? Because what we have in the world today is a misrepresentation of who God is. Religion blows and it makes a constant mess of what Jesus is all about and who he really is. Right, So what we're talking about is not a religion. What we're talking about is a genuine relationship. And the Lord has called us, as we saw last week in Hebrews eleven twenty nine, to be a to open the way for people to come into an authentic, genuine relationship with him. Now, I want you to go in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to just read a few verses to you here. It says, if anyone is now enfolded or grafted into Christ... He has, say with me, he has become an entirely new person. So how do you get enfolded or engrafted into Christ? By accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. The moment you do that, from a spiritual perspective, that old man that you were on the inside, remember you are a three-part being, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in this physical body. The physical bodies that are in that we see in this room, that's not the real you. The real you is on the inside. And when you called out on the name of Jesus, that old man died with Christ on the cross. And when you came up, kind of when Jesus rose from the dead, kind of like a symbolism of baptism, when you came up out of that water, you became entirely brand new. Just by calling on the name of Jesus. So that old sin, dead nature that was connected to the enemy named Satan has completely vanished. It's completely gone. And everything has become fresh and new. So the Bible now becomes not just a book of rules of do's and don'ts. It's now a mirror to reveal to you who you really are because you're no longer in yourself. You're no longer in Satan. You are now in Christ I got in Christed, and the moment that I did, I'm an entirely different person. Where? On the inside. And so this Christian life that you and I are now living is all to do with renewing the way we think to line up with what this new nature is on the inside of us, right? Okay, so verse 18, now look at this. He says, and God has made all things new. Where? Inside, and he has reconciled us to himself and he's given us now notice see the ministry that you and I are involved in so part of it is yeah I need to see who I am in Christ absolutely so that I could properly live this life 
But then not only that, it doesn't just stop there. And then he gave you and I this ministry. What does it mean to be a minister? Don't just think, well, you got to stand behind a pulpit and preach the gospel. This is a small part of my job. I wish I could do this every single day, but this is a small part. You only want to come Sundays, but we can come Monday, we can come Tuesday. Anyway, but now what else did he give us? He gave us this ministry or this ability to serve of reconciling others to God. Verse 19. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even counting or keeping records of their transgressions. Verse, keep going on. And then he says, and he has entrusted. Say it with me, entrusted. You see that word a lot. He has entrusted us the ministry. What is our ministry? Opening the door. Say it with me. Opening the door. What is your and my job? Open the door. You are not a bouncer. We don't need church bouncers. We need door openers. And what's the purpose of the door opener? Is to reconcile people back to God. And notice what it says. Not just to the church. You're not a convert, convert to the church. You're a convert to Christ. And what is the church? The church is how God expresses himself in this earth and in this day. So this is what we're a part of. But we don't say, hey, you know what? When you come to Impact Life Church, ah, oh, then you're a real solid Christian. That means nothing. We don't want impact followers. We want Christ followers who found who they are in Christ Jesus, found their place in the body of Christ through the local church, and they get planted, they get involved, so that they can continue to be door openers. Now, door openers isn't just a little thing, well, well, yeah, I have to be a greeter now, and i got to open the door. That may be part of it. Opening doors may also be, I serve coffee. It may be in the children's. It may be on the worship team. It may be in the ushers. It may be wherever. We are all involved in opening a door for people to get reconciled to God. Did you know, I've heard time and time again of testimonies and stories of people coming back to Christ because there was a friendly person in the parking lot. Before they ever hear a message, before anybody who's maybe distant from God or kind of, you know, a little bit nervous about the church, before they even get to come to hear the message, they've encountered, I don't know, 15 or 20 different people all throughout the building, and you are, I are all involved in opening this door to help people experience Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So you know what? The pressure's on. It's not on me to me. Oh, you better be, preach good today. There's a, there's a, I got bringing my friends. You better be on today. It's not on me. You better be on today. You better open that stupid. You better open that door. And you better open it up real big, real wide and say, come on in. How are you? So good to see you. Put a smile on. Yeah. Yeah. Smiling away, boys. Just smiling away. All right. Verse 20. Why does he say we're all involved in this? Because we are. Paul didn't say I am. He said we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Angels can't do this. This is what he's entrusted to us. And what is God speaking through our lips? Turn back to me. Be reconciled back to me. So that is the message that you and I carry. Verse 21, I love this. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Amen. So now, because you and I have answered the call to be door openers and carry this message of how good and gracious he is, 
Anybody answered that call? We've answered that. Now, I believe this is why we're crossing this threshold because we're taking ownership of this. So the Lord has entrusted to us being able to reach and impact more people for his kingdom. Now, again, what we kind of went into last week, it's also, hey, that's exciting, great adventure. Yeah, giddy up, let's go, let's go. But now there's also a warning or a heads up. Because don't just think that Satan's going to go, oh, you decided to be a door opener, have you? Oh, you decided to take this seriously. Well, I'm so glad for you that you figured it out. He is going to do everything he can to derail, to throw, throw off the plan of God because he hates when the kingdom of God advances because it means his kingdom retreats. Now, again, Christians, we have to get in our mindset. You and I did not get born into a playground. We got born into a war zone. The moment you got born into this earth, you are born into the middle of a spiritual war that is going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is constant. It never stops. There is an enemy of your soul that is after to steal, kill, and to destroy. So we have to change our mindset. We have to be aware that there is actually a war going on. And so for you and I, I see this as a very tactical thing that the Lord has done. He's moving us to a different spot, able to expand and do more things with two buildings. Praise God. It's a, it's a strategy that the Lord is having to prepare you and I to reach more people. That's all that it is. That's the motive behind everything that the father's doing. So when you and I are called now to make a way for other people to come in, we have to be aware that now the enemy is ticked off. He's got your number. He's looking and going, hmm, they're part of this. They sow to that. I'm going to do everything I can to put the pressure on. I'm going to try to do things to thwart or stop the plan of God, to get them off of their faith, to get them stopping believing, to get frustrated with each other. I got to stop it. I got to stop it. I got to stop it. And he will do everything he can because he knows how to push those little buttons of yours. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So this morning, I want to continue with this heads up message. Is that okay with you? And look at this, 2 Corinthians 2.11. New King James, it says, we don't want Satan to take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Other translations say it like this. The message paraphrase says that we're not oblivious to his sly ways. He's sly. He's cunning. The Living Bible says it like this, for we know what he's trying to do. So Christians, do you know what he's trying to do? Okay, good. The rest of you, we got to talk this out a little bit because it comes so subtly and it doesn't come like the devil shows up and say, I'm the devil and I'm going to throw off the plan. I'm going to just do everything I can to get you off. That's not how he shows up. It comes a lot of times through just very subtle things, even through people that you may be close to. It's like, well, no, yeah, we got to be aware. So what we talked a little bit about last week, uh, that he wants to derail progress And how does he derail or slow down progress? Is through disunity. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, I love the, these, I mean, just see this as a general, not like a general that you see kind of in an army, but now our spiritual general is standing on guard and he's speaking. He says, now with tender humility and quiet patience, always, say with me, always, again, always. How many times? Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another. Especially. Now we got to say that word real together. Especially. Now again, nobody look around. 
before we read the rest of this, those who may push your buttons. I'm just looking up. I'm, I'm not looking any. Those that may try your patience. Then he says in verse three, be faithful to guard. So not only is this war, part of this war is we're all fight, 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 fight. I mean, sometimes that's what we think Christianity is. All of it's just fight, 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 fight. Yes, there is a fight of faith. That's exactly what we're called to. But part of it also is to guard. I'm protecting something. What am I guarding? The sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in bonds of peace. Why is this so important? That the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is pleading with the biggest church in now modern-day Turkey, crying out for these believers. He said, you got to guard this. you got to protect this. Because in the unity, in, in when there's unity among the brethren, that's where the blessing of God resides. So he's crying out. The Spirit of God is crying out to the church and saying, stay connected. Why? Because if there's disunity, the blessing's not there. And it's not going, you're not going to be nice to each other? Well, I'm not going to be nice to you. That's not the father's intent. He's going the blessing. That's where the blessing is. Where there's unity, the blessing is already commanded there. Now look at these verses. Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read the whole psalm to you. It says, How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. How sweet it is. To be loved by you. Come on, sing with me. And how sweet it is to be loved by you. Oh, I tell you. Thank you. I think we got the song for next week, don't we? Song of the Lord. Uh, I came up with that song just on my spot. And so just. Verse 2. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest, Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. Now look at this. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. Why is God able to do what he does in and through this church family? I mean, on Friday night, you ladies got together. And what my beautiful wife told me is all the amazing testimonies and things that were being shared. And people were being helped. Like, she received texts and messages going, man, I brought so-and-so and they were just helped. That's amazing. How come that can all happen? It doesn't happen by accident. Y'all, we have to be aware of this. It happens because... There is a realm of a sweet harmony amongst the brethren. If you're visiting here, I would really like to hear your feedback because those, wall, those words on the wall, you belong here, aren't just a nice, oh, that sounds like a Christian thing to say. Throw it up there. It's words that God gave us to kind of be the overarching picture of what impacting generations for Jesus is all about. You belong here. Why? Because you're... You're cool? No, because you're you. Because God created you. You got breath in your lungs. You are allowed to be here. You're welcome to be here. And you want to be part of what we're doing of opening this door for, doorway for other people? Then yes, let's go. Giddy up. Now, guarding the unity requires effort on our end 
And sometimes it even means letting go of hurts. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, I don't have that on the screen, but I want to just read this to you. It says, as for us, after you read Hebrews 11 and all those people of faith, and it says, faith did, faith did, you know, Enoch, you know, stepped by faith, Moses walked by faith, and all the things that faith did. And it says, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must, oh, you guys are good down there, thank you. Different translation, but I'll keep going on mine. So we must let go, say with me, let go of every wound that has pierced us, and the sin that we so easily fall into, then we will be able to run life's, life's marathon race with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. But I want you to see here, the Hebrew writer reveals that both wounds and sin slow you down from running your God-given race. A lot of times we just think, oh, the sin. Yeah, we, we know there's, there's stuff that needs to be corrected. We know that. But he didn't just say sin. He also talked about Wounds, things that hurt, things that have actually pierced us. They actually, some translations actually bring that like a, like a bow and arrow, the tip of that arrow going into you and actually wounding you. That wound slows you down just as much. Imagine try running around with a wounded, like an arrow in your stomach. It's not going to be able to go around that track real quick. Well, the same way as just as much we talk about sin, but also these wounds. And so what are we doing? We're going to just take some time to talk about how do we protect and guard this unity? If sometimes we're going to have to let go of the wounds that have pierced us. Anybody ever been wounded before? Some of you are laughing at me, so I don't just, you've been wounded. You've, been, you've experienced some kind of wounding. Okay, so I think this applies to everyone. <clears throat> now this morning, I'm not here to downplay the things that have happened to you. But I do want to encourage you, instead of those difficulties becoming your identity... They now become part of your testimony of the faithfulness and goodness of God so that you can continue to run your race. Because we've all gone through stuff and it hurts, man. I, I absolutely get it. I've gone through it myself and boy, it does not feel good at all. Anybody enjoy a good wounding? Nice shot to your back when nobody's looking. Ouch. But I want to just show some things to you from the word of God to reveal what God says in his word and to actually bring healing to some of those things. In Luke chapter 17, verse 1, I want you to see Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, it is impossible. Say it with me. Impossible. That no offenses should come. What's impossible? It's impossible that no offenses should come. A Greek scholar put it like this. It is simply unthinkable that you would allow yourself to dream that you could live this life without an opportunity to become offended. <laughs> so what does that mean? Offense is on the way. <laughs> oh, nobody repeated after me. Okay. We're not excited about that. It means wounds will come. And anyone who knew wounds we talk about Jesus explaining it. Jesus knew it. He knew it from his family. He knew it from his closest friends. He knew it from his high, the high priests of the day that should have known him. The, the book of John even talks about Jesus came to the ones that, that were his and they didn't even recognize him. He came to this earth that he created and they had no idea who he was. Talk about a feeling of, well, forget, forget you, I can, I'm just going to go off then. 
Jesus understood wounds. He understood, in this particular case, offenses. Now, I want you to turn with me in Matthew chapter 24. And it's, I have it on the screen, but it's also good to read it in your Bible too. Because something about seeing it off the pages of your Bible that just help bring it and make it pop alive to you and I. But I want you to show, see what Jesus does. And he lays out the progression of what the end times will look like. And of course, I know Jesus is talking to the Jewish nation. He's talking to Jews in Matthew chapter 24. So I'm not talking particular uh, the end times as a result of the rapture of the church, but in regards to what's going to happen as we near the end before Jesus comes back for us. This is what's going to happen in the earth, and you're already going to see it. It's, it's already here. And actually, I like the way that the Passion Bible kind of brings it out. It says, don't be shocked when the world systems fail because they're supposed to before the next dispensation comes in. So don't be shocked by any that Jesus already knew this was already coming. But your father who loves you already made a way for you and I to live above the world natural system. That's good news right there. (laughs) You got a dad who loves you so much that he made a way. But now concerning this, I want you just to see the, um, the progression of how the end times looks in these last days. And Jesus was very clear about it. He's not mincing words. He's just, this is what it is. So he said, many, say with me, many, many, many. the Greek word for many just means the, the majority of people will be offended. What are many people going to be like in these last days? Offended. And offense, and so what happened, I just want you to see the progression. They will be offended. Now they will betray one another. And they will hate one another. Verse 11. Then, notice how it goes. He just keeps going. Then, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I want to just take some time to break this down a little bit for us. If you guys, uh, I'm going to be going back to Mark chapter 24. So if you don't mind following with me. But what's the first thing that we see happens that takes place in Matthew 24, 10? Jesus said that many will get offended. What do offended people do? They're hurt. They've experienced something. What we see in the Bible is actually they build walls. Say with me. They build walls. Anybody ever been offended before? Yeah. What's the first thing when hurt comes? What do you do? I build up these walls. And how do we know they build up walls? Well, the Bible tells us. That's your answer, huh? Now, look at this. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, it says, It is easier to conquer a city, a strong city, than to win back a friend whom you've offended. Why? Because their walls go up making it nearly impossible to win them back. So in, again, Solomon is the the writer of the book of Proverbs, and we see Solomon in his day. What were strong walls purpose for the city of those days for? To protect bad guys from coming in and keeping the good guys on the inside. But now these walls that we're talking about in an offended person, we're not talking about actual walls. You don't see people walking around, you know, got a big shield and say, no, 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 back off, back off. I got walls now. Where do they build walls? An offended person in New Testament, we call the word, in, in our mind, strongholds is the New Testament definition for walls being put up. Are we all on the same page here? Right? Now, <laughs> look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
They build walls in their souls. That's where these walls go up. You've hurt me, wall goes up. I'm offended, I'm hurt, I'm protecting myself. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to pulling down strongholds. Now look at what he says, casting down arguments. Now that Greek word for arguments actually means reasonings. So point to your head, say reasoning. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity or the obedience of Christ. So what are strongholds? Strongholds are thoughts or reasonings that go against the knowledge of God. Or you could say it like this. It's thinking that goes contrary to his ways. So what's a stronghold? It's a thought or a way now of living, a way of doing that goes contrary to God's ways. Are we all on the same page? What's a stronghold? Because again, people got different ideas of what strongholds and we're pulling down strongholds. It's actually a mindset that you received after you've been hurt. I, I, you hurt me. I, I put up these walls. Let me give you an example. God is love. God doesn't have love. It's who he is. It's his very being, the Bible tells us, right? So love, what is love always looking to do? What is the greatest expression of love? For God so loved the world that he gave. Love is always looking to give. Now, let's say, for example, there's a person who, who is offended. He builds a stronghold or thoughts or reasonings in his mind saying, I don't want to get hurt again. So what happens? You've hurt me. I'm going to put up these walls. I want to make sure this never happens to me again. So now they built a protective wall in their soul. And now they're saying this. I don't want to go through that. So I'm going to trust again. I'm not going to open myself up again. You're here. I'll just be here. And that's how it is. These walls are steady. Instead of looking from what are the nature and the ways of God is, I'm supposed to love you like Christ loves me. I'm giving myself freely to you. I want to open myself up to you. I want to show you what's going on inside me. I want to see what's going inside you. There's this opening up to one another because God loves to give. I, I'm no longer giving away my time. I'm no longer trusting you anymore. I've been hurt too many times, so I'm, I'm done doing that. I'm not going to give any more of my time because I've been abused in the past. And that may be, but you are not an abused person. You can't identify with that constantly and saying, keep referring back to what they did back there. You are living stuck in a prison and you don't even realize it. And the ways of God is here I am. Imagine, just see yourself again, freeing freely to be able to go, here I am. I can't wait to get, of course, I'm, I saw that we're just being stupid and a doormat. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about a calculated decision to go, I can trust again. I can love somebody again. I can open up to somebody again. I, I can be me around my church family. But as long as we keep these walls still up, it actually becomes a way of thinking, a stronghold that goes against the ways or the knowledge of God in his word. Okay. 
Now, what happens then this? It, remember the progression of Mark or Matthew 24. So somebody gets offended, the walls go up, and now they become a candidate to betray. Because what is betrayal? And I mean, sometimes you have kind of this Hollywood idea of what betrayal is, and even what Jesus went through, the ultimate betrayal. But betrayal just simply means this, is that when a person seeks his own benefit or protection at the expense of one that he has a relationship with. That's what betrayal is, is that I'm going to protect me, even though it's going to hurt you and we're in a close relationship. Anybody ever seen that before happen? Right? When a push comes to shove, I got me, I got to take care of my own and well, you figure you out. That's your problem. That's what betrayal is. And betrayal that we saw, it leads to, they'll eventually hate one another. And what is hate? It just simply means this, to love less. That's all that it is. Love less. And that's what Jesus is warning about in this time and day that we're living in. From offended, they become candidates to betrayal where they're just, my, just me, just me, just me, myself, and I. I got this, I got this, we're protecting me. And eventually to the point where if anybody tries to come in, I hate you because you're trying to come after me. Okay. Now, looking at verse 11, now Matthew 24, verse 11. So many will be offended. Say, not me. Not me. They'll betray one another. They'll hate one another. Then verse 11, it says, then many false prophets will rise up. And what's going to happen? They will deceive Many. So the question we have to ask is, who are the many that are being deceived? The offended ones. Jesus painting a picture here, and he's revealing that the heart, the, to, um, a heart that is offended is the breeding ground for deception. So as soon as I become offended, I put these walls up. I have now my own thoughts and my own thinking of how things should be done. Going contrary to the word of God. I am now open to deception. And what is deception? What's the problem with deception? It's deceiving. You think you are 100% right. And guess what? You are 100% wrong. But I thought this is how it is. This is the way. Says who? What becomes now the foundation for your belief system? is what's happened to you and the walls that you've put up and the deceiving lies that you've heard now become the breeding ground for how I live my life. And let me just kind of quickly add this in from a false prophet perspective, because you hear so many people in this day and earth, that's a false prophet, that's a false prophet, that's a false prophet. You know what Jesus actually said about false prophets? He said, uh, they dress themselves, they look, they're wolves in what kind of clothing? Sheep. Sheep's clothing. We spend so much of our time looking for false prophets behind the pulpit when they're actually around in the crowds. And we go, as a false prophet. There, of course, people can abuse the pulpit. I completely get that. But what do wolves like to do? They like to scatter. They like to separate the herd. And they like to isolate individuals from what's going on over here. Oh, they did that to you? Oh, man. Come, 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 come. Man, I'm so sorry. I, we love you here. Oh, come, 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 come. Let me just show you. Let me take you into my inner circle. It's a dangerous spot. So what protects me then from these false prophets? Don't get an offended heart. I can't afford an offended heart because I don't want to be deceived. 
Are we doing okay? Okay, we're still good. Look at this. I want to show you this verse in uh, Proverbs 18, verse 1. It says, he who willfully separates and estranges himself from God and man seeks his own desire and pretext to break out against all wise and sound judgment. So what happens? You get isolated and now crazy thinking starts to happen. Oh, just me and God. God never told it just you and God. He said God and the family that he's called you to. That's what people get loopy and weird in their thinking process. Why? Well, it's just me and the Lord. Just me and the Lord. You've been offended. You got hurt. I'm so sorry about that hurt. I really am. But what happens now is you start birds of a feather flock together. As soon as somebody gets offended, guess who they find? Weirdly, another offended person. And guess what they do? They go to a coffee shop and they sit and they talk. And they talk, and they talk about this, they talk about that, they talk about this. And before you know it, we grew to 30 people. We're going to start a home group. And we're going to talk, and we're going to beak, and we're going to get frustrated together. We're going to beak together, and we're going to just talk about all the nasty things. And then we're going to pray for healing for one another. It doesn't work that way. Why? God never laid it out that way. Are we still doing okay? Again, I'm not saying this because anybody here has got issues. I'm not saying that. I'm giving you the heads up because of the answered call that you're taking. Heads up. When more people get out of it. Guess what happens when the church grows? Bigger mess. But we have a very good Jesus who is with us. And he's here to help us through his word, through the Holy Spirit, and through family. We still doing okay? Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> still Mother's Day, right? That's the, we're still good. Okay. So now let's just quickly repack. If you go back to um, Matthew 24. So when you enter into a fence, what do you do? You seek to protect yourself, right? Um, and then what is a result of that? An offended heart goes into wrong thinking, which creates a stronghold, thoughts or reasonings that go against the word of God. And this deceptive thinking leaves you what Jesus said. Now you guys go to verse 13. Lawlessness. What is lawlessness? It simply means I am a law unto myself. Say with me, I am a law unto myself. That's what lawlessness is. So this is a mindset or a way of thinking that is not subject to the word of God because lawlessness now abounds. Again, lawlessness is? I am a law unto myself. Meaning the walls that I put up, this is now how I live my life. If I don't like it, I don't like it. If it's truth, I don't like it. If it's not truth, I may like it, I may not. Nothing is governing my life anymore because I'm going based on the walls that I have put up. So the walls now become my Bible. And that's how I live my life. And now because lawlessness abounds, it says the love of many will grow cold. Now the reason why just this arrested my attention as I was prepping and studying this week is because this word love is not... uh, There's four types of love in the Greek that we really find out. And there's one love that the world does not have. They have phileo. They have, oh, I forgot the other two. There. But this fourth one here that Jesus is talking about, it says agape. So Jesus is not talking about the world. 
He's talking about his children. The love, the agape of many will grow cold. How did I get to this point where I'm just so, I'm mad, I'm frustrated. I can't lift my hands and worship. I find it so hard to be a giver. I find it so hard to open my heart up to people. I'm just mad, 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 mad. Harsh, 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 harsh. How did I get here? Offense. And for me, this was something that I, over the course of this little bit of time, I actually had to come to the point and I had to admit to the Lord and say, I'm offended. Because I'm going like, how come, like really, this is just me kind of getting personal in my little, my journal. Lord, it just becomes so easy when it comes to the church. And man, I just, I, the, the vision, the ideas, the understanding is, yeah, 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 yeah. But Lord, what's going on in my own private, in my own soul? Why, do, why does it seem so far that I have to really strive or kind of put an effort in this? What's going on? And I have to ask the Lord, Lord, am I offended? Yes. Okay. And as soon as I was able to not be so prideful and say, oh, I'm not offended because it's a form of weakness. Nobody's offended. I'm a Christian. Nobody gets offended around here. I got hurt. I got wounded. And I didn't let those wounds heal properly. Instead, what I do? Quickly bandage it all up and say, all right, let's push. Let's go. We can do this. Praise the Lord. And people talk, fake it till you make it. There's no such thing as fake it till you make it. I cannot be fake and stand here and say, praise the Lord, glory to God. Everything's good. Everything's just dandy. I got hurt and it hurt real good. Crying, angry, frustrated. Love to hit somebody, but I can't because Christians don't do that. A whole mixture of emotions going on on the inside of me. And instead, now I'm actually holding a grudge towards other people and what they did to me. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you have the right to be offended? Yes, you do. You are a free moral agent. You have the ability to be and live however you want to live. You can live offended all you want. People are choosing to die and go to hell and be separated from God for eternity. And God will protect that choice. Even though he hates it with a passion. But he will protect your choice to live offended if you want to. But. Say with me. But. If you want to walk in the presence of the Lord daily. If you want to walk closely with him. Do I have the right to be offended? No. I don't. I don't. And here's what really helped me. But Lord, this is what they said. This is what they did. And in return, you got to go, but do you know what you did to Jesus? My sin, what caused him to go on the cross. Aren't you so glad that our God didn't go as soon as Adam and Eve fell and they just said, well, we're going to join Satan's crew. That God just go, well, forget all of you. I'm going to start a brand new one over here. And meanwhile, we would live this dispensation on our way to hell. I'm so glad that he didn't do that. Oh, you don't know what they said, but you don't know what you did to Jesus. So if I can say it like this, an offended believer who cannot forgive is a person who's forgotten what they've been forgiven of. Because what do we deserve? We deserve hell. 
You deserve to be sick, poor, spiritually dead, separated from God. The list goes on, on, on. You deserve a soul that is in so much torment. You deserve the very pains of all pains. You deserve the curse. You deserve to walk around being cursed all the days of your life. I deserve that. But God, so rich in mercy, and because he loved me so much, he said, hey, I'm going to give you the life of Christ, my own son. Here you go, accept him. He forgave me. Now, <laughs> I want to encourage you, don't be too proud to say, I, I got hurt. Because hurts are real. And again, the wounds come. And Jesus said in Luke 17, it is impossible to live on this planet and not have the chance to get offended. It's impossible. So that means Jesus was tempted to get offended. Did you know getting tempted isn't a sin? Following out that temptation is what leads to sin. But being tempted, if that's the case, our Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. But he was tempted a few times, was he not? We see in the Bible. Well, there also must have been times. Could you imagine? He's no, he knows he's gonna, Judas is going to betray him. And he's washing his feet. How do you do that? How can you do that? Agape. I don't put the pressure on me because I, in my human self, I cannot love somebody. But when I just found out and let the love of God overwhelm me, I can love again. I can open that up. And now rather than looking at somebody and going, oh man, if I had five minutes alone with you, you'd need a miracle service to get back together. <laughs> but now I actually can shake hands. I can actually give a hug. I can actually say, it's good to see you and be genuine and not this, good to see you, brother. And then start talking about them. Did you see they're such an idiot? Did you see what they wore today? These look so nasty. I'm able to actually for real do that. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. And I, I allowed the Lord to heal that offense. I allowed other people in and I said, this really hurt me. And the result of that was they were able to not just minister life, but also to slap me out of it. Don't stay there. You're going there. So church, that's the word for you today. Don't stay here. You're going there. Don't allow this offense to actually take you out from all that God has designed for you. No demon can stop it. No devil can stop it. No person can stop it. The only one that can stop it is me. And I will not, through offense, allow my purpose, the call of God on my life to be stopped, to be thwarted because of what somebody said, some, somebody did, how they perceive me. I cannot find happiness in your brain. It's not there. Where is it? It's got to be on the inside. The joy of the Lord now becomes my strength. So I believe that the Lord, I'll, let me just give you two more verses, then I'll finish up. Um, Acts twenty four sixteen. This is what the apostle Paul says. And talk about another guy who went through some trials. Went to his own brothers, the Jewish people, and he got beat three times with whips, 40, 39 lashes, beaten with rods three times. I mean, this guy went through it. <laughs> Anybody ever been spanked real good and say, oh, I love you? It takes some time to heal from that. <laughs> I love you, mom. <laughs> it says there, thank you, mom. <laughs> and she loved me because she spanked. She spanked hell right out of me. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. Just, so good. Um, <laughs> all right. Look at this. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, I always exercise. And that is part of the problem in the Christian world is we don't exercise. 
I'm not talking about physical exercise. It'd be good to physical exercise, but spiritually exercise. Somebody's talking bad about me. What do I do? I got to exercise. Well, how do I do that? Matthew chapter five, verse 44. Those that persecute you, pray for them. Do you know what you're doing? Bless them, Lord. And that may be the extent of your workout that day. But as you continue to do so, Lord, bless them. And then you keep going. And now uh, the more that you work out, it becomes easier, right? Now, what you need to, you know, when we start doing this, and eventually comes this prayer, we can actually start praying for them as I would pray for myself. Oh, Lord, I pray that they would know you like any man could get to know you while on this earth. Lord, I pray the blessing of God over them. Lord, I thank you that your face shines upon them. When you get to that point, man, you are working out. So some of us, all that it is, it's just a workout. And I encourage you, work out. It's time to get spiritually fit for the days ahead. Why? Because your calling needs a fit you. He says, I always exercise. What does that mean? I'm praying for those that persecute me. I'm blessing those who come right after me. I sent a check to somebody who absolutely cursed me and said, the way that you dress looks stupid. Here, here's a gift card to H&M. Buy the same pants I got. (laughs) That was a little cunning. I didn't do that, but. (laughs) You like my, you talking about it so much. Well, get your own here. Bless them. Say with me, bless them. Watch what happens on the inside. It will do you so much good just to say, I forgive. I forgive them. They did you wrong. I know it was wrong. But think from a higher perspective. The devil is trying to throw you off. He hates what's in you. He hates the answered call. He hates that you're sitting in this building. He says, I always exercise and I discipline myself, mortifying my body, deadening my carnal affections. Listen to these words, y'all. I mortify this body. What else do I do? I dead, deadening my carnal affections. I want to slap somebody. No, I'm going to bless them. Oh, but your flesh is just... <laughs> also, my bodily appetites, the worldly desires, endeavoring in all respects. Click. To have a clear, unshaken, a blameless conscience, void of offense toward God and towards men. Oh man, this is like the greatest place to live is that we live in this place. I have a clear conscience before God and before you. This is the greatest place to be. Talk about freedom. I'm free. I have no ill will towards anybody. I can generally look somebody down and say, I love you. And these wounds now become part of my testimony of what God has done in my life. That I no longer have to live by what so-and-so said. Maybe you're a mother here today. and Maybe your kids have said some things or done some things to give you an opportunity to get offended. This is your day to release them. Don't hold on to that. Don't let their words pierce you because sadly the enemy used them to throw you off. Don't allow it. And the moment you start forgiving and you lift up your hands and say, Lord, I bless my son. I bless my daughter. I speak your favor on them. Watch what it does in you and watch how God's got access now to those children. Full access. Last verse I got here is Psalm 160, 119, 165. It says great, and then King James version. Great peace have they 
which love thy word and nothing, say with me, nothing, nothing. shall offend them. So rather than living lawless, I now live my life based on this word. And as I fall more and more in love with this word, I love his law. I love the written word. What takes place? I cannot get offended because I know that I'm completely forgiven myself. My Jesus loves me. He's got me. It's going to be okay. Can we all stand up together? No longer are we going to let this offense take us out. I want us just to lift our hands this morning. If that's you and you're just saying, I need to let some things go. Because again, the higher thought is, I want to guard the sweet unity. I want to guard the call of God in my life. I want to, this is a higher thought. I want to guard the call of this local church to a higher level. Listen, man, we are here to reach a city. We are here to reach a region. And you and I have to be free in order to do that effectively. I have to be able to have a clear conscience to hold that door open and say, God loves you. Come on. And we're so glad that you're here. And people will know us because of our love for one another. How can that be real? We had that a few times said, are you guys for real? Yes. Is there anything fake about you? No, we genuinely love Jesus and we genuinely love you. How can you do that? I live offense free. So right now this morning, if you need to cast some offense or just not just saying cast offense if you're saying lord i'm here i need healing in my heart for things that were said things that were done things that were talked about behind my back from family from friends from those closest to me lord i'm rifting my hands and i'm asking for healing this morning <sighs> jesus the healer and the restorer of our hearts Father, we forgive and we ask you, sir, this morning to forgive us for carrying this offense towards my brother and sister. I do not want it. I ask for your forgiveness because of the way you have loved and received me. I can freely love and receive those. Can we say this together? Bless them, Lord. Go on, get somebody in your mind's eye right now. Somebody that may be, you, you're holding on to them. They may not even realize it, but you're holding on to them. And I want you to look them in your mind's eye. Don't say their name. But I want you just to say, bless them, Lord. Come on, we're doing some curls this morning. Bless them, Lord. Father, thank you for dying for them that you saw fit to pour out your blood for these individuals, for these people. And Lord, here's my heart. I thank you for your healing power flowing in and through me today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Every time they pop up in your mind, because listen, you'll go home and you'll go, oh, that's still there. Say, no, I bless them. Just start exercising it a little bit. Amen. Pastor Julian.